You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This Sunday, uh, I want to share a message that is in essence an introduction to our life groups that we're going to be doing. So although this won't be a series that we're going to be doing on a Sunday morning, it is a series that we're going to be looking at on uh, in our life groups in more detail. But to, this morning is more uh, an introduction to this topic and, uh, and hopefully something that gets us in that space. Now, one of the things that um, is clear through statistics is that 97%, I want you to say 97%, 97% of people do not feel called to full-time ministry. Wow, isn't that amazing? In fact, less than 3% do feel called to full-time Christian ministry. So, what's the point? The meaning is that 97%, if not over 97%, feel called to marketplace ministry. Correct? If you're not feeling called to be in full-time church ministry, you're being called to full-time ministry within the marketplace, within work, within uh, within volunteering outside the church, correct? So what we're going to be looking at over these coming weeks is this understanding that Christ has called us not to serve Him in the church, where He's called us to serve us in the places of employment, in the places of volunteering, in the place of government, in the place of education, in healthcare, in every aspect of society, we're called to serve Him there. Correct? And there's been an unfortunate perception in the church that's developed over years that there's a sacred and, um, sorry, that there's a sacred and secular divide. That somehow what happens in the church is more important. That this space, what happens on a Sunday is really important. And what we do outside the church, we're just kind of getting through the week. We're just trying to pay our bills. We just do our job. But really what happens in the church is where it's all, this is the most important thing. Unfortunately, Scripture doesn't indicate that. Now, this is important. And I don't want to undermine what happens in the church. But actually, we are not called just to get through the week so that we can get to the more important stuff that happens on Sunday or during the ministries in the church. But actually, every day, you are called to the role that you have. When God looked at your life, and if you do not feel called to serve Him in a full-time capacity, then you feel called to serve Him in, in, in secular employment. That's the fact. And God has called you, not that that is any lesser to what I'm doing. In fact, it's in the exact same category. Some of you don't realize that we own a business. And so on Mondays, I actually work for our business. And on, on the, the rest of the week, I'm here. And uh, I see the work that I do in the business is not secondary to the work that I do in the church, but each one I am serving Jesus in. And so whether I'm in business, whether I'm in employment, whether I'm in the church, actually, I am serving Jesus full stop. Right? My walk with Him has to be reflected in every aspect of who I am. The truth is, God has called us to serve Him in this marketplace, in this place of, even if it's volunteering in the community, we're called to serve Him in this capacity, to be His ambassadors in your place of employment. Now, Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, 
Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. We are, we are fulfilling our call through our employment. I want us to get this understanding. We are fulfilling God's call for our lives through what we do Monday to Friday or Monday through Saturday. It isn't secondary. That isn't secondary to our faith. In fact, what you do in your employment is part of God's plan for your life. It isn't a, a, a lower part, no matter whatever the job is, from working in the shop to education to healthcare to business to, to government, all those things, God wants you to be His ambassador. He's called you and He's appointed you. He's given you the giftings. He's given you the authority to be there for such a time as this. And it's important to Him. This is only a filling station. This is only a place where we kind of come alive and we, we share together and we, we, we spur one another on. But it's the good works outside the church that's really important. We are called to serve Him in this way. In these environments, it's the Lord you are serving. It is part of the good works that He's prepared in advance for us to do, as we see in Ephesians 2.10. If it is Christ we are serving, what is He calling us to do then? If you think of it, what you do for the rest of your week, if, if it is Christ we are serving, when we go tomorrow morning to work, what is He asking of our lives? What is He asking of these places of, of contribution to the world around us. What is he, what is his expectation? Now, the first thing I believe when we see scripture is he's called us to establish his kingdom. Correct? Come on. It's the first, it, when we look at the, the Lord's prayer, Lord, teach us how to pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in where? In heaven. Where is that channel? You are the channel of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to represent his kingdom here. Your kingdom come. We are agents of God's kingdom to establish and restore God's will here on earth. You are bringing God's kingdom tomorrow morning when you step foot in the office. You are bringing God's kingdom to that environment. When you go to wherever you go the rest of the week, whatever your service is, you are bringing God's kingdom. I realize not everyone is in paid employment here. Some of you are in a, another stage of life. Maybe you're retired doing other things, but I guarantee everyone's doing something. But whatever you're doing outside the church, we're bringing God's kingdom. We're to bring God's kingdom. So what does this look like in practical terms? It sounds like a lofty idea, but what does it mean for you and for me? It starts with turning, it's tuning, sorry, our spirit in before the, 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 the Lord and say, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to do through my life today? What is, what is your plan today for my life? Have you ever prayed that before you go to work in the morning? Before you, you set out with whatever you're going to be doing? God, what is your plan today for me? You're a, an agent in the space that you, you live and work on a daily basis. But God, what is it you want to do? So we need an awareness to God's Spirit because it doesn't come by default. We choose, or sorry, we don't choose. We, we grow up living from the rational perspective. You know, we go through the, 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 the daily routine of, of work. And I think one of the things that I've discovered is sometimes the, we expect certain things to happen because they've happened in the past. But it, it takes us to understand and, and be like Jesus saying, God, what are you doing? And how can I join you today in what your plan is in this space? And I realize in this room, we've got people in education. We've got people in healthcare, We've got people, um, 
in business. The reality is, God, what are you wanting to do through my life, in this circumstance? Second one is being aware of the opportunities that are all around us. You know, I was thinking about this thought. That for most of us, we spend more time with the people we work with than our own families. Waking hours. We spend more time with people outside the church than people in the church. I don't think that's by accident. In fact, I think that's part of God's purpose. So that we are engaged with His purpose. We're engaged with His plan. I think that when we talk about bringing God's kingdom, I think it's also looking at opportunities, saying, God, present them. Lord, may I be aware. I think sometimes if I look at it myself, I can get very tunnel vision, task-orientated. I don't know about you, but I can become very task-orientated. If i got a job to do, I become task, and I have tunnel vision. But it's saying, God, what is it you want to do peripherally? Well, or, um, that's not how you say it. Per- peripherally? Okay, thank you. I've been accused of getting things wrong in my diluted English. God, what are you wanting to do? What is it you're wanting to do? And you know, I think there's a power in praying for our employers, praying for the space that we work, praying for the job that we're doing. God, what do you want to do through my employment? What do you, God, I want to pray that your blessing is upon my employer, upon my managers, upon my coworkers. I, I want to pray for them. Don and I have been challenged to pray for the people who work for us. Pray for their lives, their situations. You know, you start to find out what's going on in their lives because they're talking to you. They're, you're, you're their little kind of second family, especially in the office. You know, they, they, they're talking, they're sharing. And you know what? As a, as a believer, you have a voice in that. But it, it doesn't just happen. It, it, it's us starting to invest in prayer. Say, God, your kingdom come in this person's life. Your kingdom come in, in, in the business. Lord, we want to see your purposes revealed in this environment. You know, God wants you to bring his kingdom. But it starts also with prayer and praying for the context in which you're in. Sometimes we just kind of grit our teeth and we, we get through it. We're just trying to get through work. But that's the wrong perspective. God, how can I shine for you in my workplace? Believing that God can do the supernatural through my life. The Apostle Paul is a great example of this. You know, we look at the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul. This great theologian, this person who understood God. But you know what? He was involved in the marketplace. He worked. The Apostle Paul worked. You know what? We see the greatest impact he had when you look throughout the story of the Apostle Paul, the greatest acts, the greatest move of God happened when he was not in the synagogue, not within the religious circle. It was always when he stepped outside of that, stepped into kind of the, the public domain, was working, was engaged with the people. That's where God moved. You cannot see his miracles happening in the church, as it were. It doesn't happen there. It happens outside where he's working. You know, we often disconnect Paul's working life with his ministry. But his ministry was engaged in his working life. He, he was a tent maker. He was working and God was moving. The two were, were connected and he didn't see the disconnect. In fact, he purposely didn't even accept support as a minister because he didn't want to dilute the word of God or people get the wrong idea. So he chose to work so that he didn't depend upon anyone giving to him. 
I mean, there were moments, yes, churches supported him, churches helped him, but he also had this commitment to serve God in the marketplace. In Corinth, he started off in the synagogue, got nowhere. He then started to go outside the synagogue. He, he started to meet in a house of someone who, who, um, tiniest justice. Corinth was impacted as, as a result. Then in Ephesus, he preached in, in the lecture hall. He started off in the synagogue, got nowhere, went to the lecture hall, which is, some of which some of the theologians believe it's it was um, it was a school. It was really kind of just out in public domain. He started to to share the gospel, and then we have this verse in Acts chapter nineteen, verses eleven and twelve. God did extraordinary or extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Now, sometimes I think we misunderstand this passage as if people were taking handkerchiefs and can just touch this Paul. But when we look at the apron, these are things, these were working things that he would have been wearing. And he would have been wearing them because he was working. And those things that he was working with, just the fact that he was, he was, he was doing his craft during the day, though, although he, he was working, God was doing miracles even through the clothing that he was wearing while he was working. It wasn't that it was some kind of magic kind of uh, little apron that, you know, you, t- you touch it, Paul, and all of it will take it to someone else. It was something that he was wearing as he worked. Now, what's amazing about this whole story in Ephesus is that when we continue to read through the whole, the whole passage, Paul worked and the people were getting healed and delivered. And it says that all the Jews and Greeks in Asia heard the gospel. All the Jews and all the Greeks. You know, we could potentially be speaking of well over a million people. Was Paul in full-time ministry? He was full-time serving Jesus as he worked, as he shared the gospel, and the entire area heard the gospel as a result. Signs and one. He was there on purpose serving Jesus while he worked while he shared the gospel, while he was in the public domain. This did not happen in the church. The great move of God that everyone heard the gospel happened outside the church. The synagogue didn't want to hear anything about it. Guys, this is the big dream that you and I have the same spirit that Paul had in his life. We have it in our domain. Wherever you are, God wants to do something through your life. But it requires us to be aware of that, aware of his leading. The second thing, so we're called to bring his kingdom, but we're secondly, we're called to make disciples, disciple making. And you know, disciple making isn't just when someone comes to faith. Okay? Discipling is someone becoming like Jesus even before they're aware of their faith in Jesus. You know, we are influencers. And I think when we stand out as someone who follows Jesus and we are believing and we're living in integrity and we're setting an example of Christian principles in life, you know, we, we are influencing other people. And they are becoming disciples as we are connected to them. They are starting to become like us. I think you and I should be influencers, not influenced by the people we work with. Correct? We should be setting a standard. And in the Great Commission, we're held to this, this calling to make disciples of nations, to make disciples in Matthew 28. It starts with people that we rub shoulders with every single day. It isn't the role of just the pastor or of the leader of a church. It is your role to make disciples. But it happens with the people who are not believers. 
It happens with the people that we're working with. We demonstrate what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. The attitudes and actions we have, our work ethic, our honesty, our demeanor. We set a tone of joy, peace, and love. If we are moving in the things of the Spirit, we will be set apart in a workplace of someone different for good. You should be someone who's trusted in your workplace. You should be someone who works hard, shows up on time, is ready to work, leaves at the end of the day when the job is done. There's a sense of, I'm working for Jesus. If Jesus is my boss, I'm giving it my all. The people around you will be influenced by you giving it your all. Because they, every, you know, I think society and by nature, our old nature wants to always cut corners, wants to find the, the path of least resistance. But God calls us to serve Him. And so our life should demonstrate that when we come into the office, we come into the, the room, we should lift the atmosphere. Everyone else might be grumbling and complaining about all the work they got to do and how bad things are. And you know what? You can shine for Jesus. You can put a smile on your face. People should like to work with you. Come on. Christians should never be that person that's so annoying to live, work with because they're so, they're a grumbler. They're a complainer. There's just someone who's just annoying. You know what? You should be annoying because you got a smile on your face. Annoying because there's a joy in your spirit. And it irritates them because you got something that they don't have. How many you know what I'm talking about? You know, I, I read this great example in, in a blog that of, of Christianity to the world is, is like buying a car. And you can go to a showroom and a car looks really nice and clean and you know, have you ever been to a showroom and you see the cars in the showroom? They look beautiful, don't they? And maybe that's kind of the experience when you come to church. We're in a showroom right now. Everything's perfect, but we're in a bit of a bubble here. This isn't real life in the sense of, you know, we're all together. We all believe, or at least you're here sympathetically <laughs> to the belief. Maybe you got dragged along this morning. I don't know. The point is, is that if you're going to buy a car, you don't want to just see the car in the showroom and then spend the money on it. You want to take it for a test drive. You want to see it in the real world, don't you? I don't know about you, but I would never buy a car just in the showroom without having experienced the car. You see, in our Christian life, your life in the workplace, in the marketplace, is like the car on the test drive. People are seeing what Christianity looks like. Problem comes your way, how do you respond? Are you that first person who says, ah, you know what? I'm going to take this to prayer and I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard at sorting out a solution, whatever it is. Are you that? What's your response to life? And as people know your life and your situations and what's going on in your domain, you are displaying what Christianity looks like in the real world. And that's powerful. You see, people can come to church and get a warped perspective of what Christianity looks like. But actually, you in the workplace, that's true Christianity. At least it should be. Correct? That's what it should be. So we, we make disciples by demonstrating what Christianity looks like, what followers of Jesus look like. We also speak into the life of others as opportunities arise. Is this is, discipleship is teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Do you know what we can teach people without them necessarily knowing the source? You know, John Maxwell, we, we've, as leaders, we've watched a video of his, you know, he, he, he teaches leadership. And he teaches leadership from Jesus. And he teaches it to business leaders across the world. And the source of the teaching is Christ. And he's bringing godly principles of leadership, but it's coming from Christ. 
The same thing is you can be teaching the people around you to obey Christ, even though they don't know the origin of the teaching. And so you can be influencing, although your, your, your employee or the people around you might be tempted to, to do different things, you can teach them the right way and disciple them in the things of Christ without them knowing Jesus is the origin. But eventually, Jesus should become revealed. But all the while, we're discipling them to become followers of Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus. It doesn't take long. I have not been one employment very long for people to realize I was a, I was a follower of Jesus. I was a Christian. It doesn't take long for that to come out. Correct? I think if you start to live a bit different, people start to ask questions. Why aren't you come? Why aren't you doing this? Why, why are you, resp-? you know, the questions start to come. Ah, you're a religious. <laughs> and have you ever heard this one before? Oh, you're religious. I wouldn't call it religious. But I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I have a faith in Jesus. And that dictates or that directs my steps. You see, we, we can speak into people's lives as opportunity arises, but we also can share our faith when asked and as good the Spirit leads. You see, people tell us their problems in the workplace or in when we're volunteering in the community or whatever we're doing. People, they, they eventually start to tell you their stuff. And you know, at those moments, you've got an opportunity to shine for Jesus. And you go to that opportunity to start to disciple them. You know what you need? You need Christ. You, you need, you need what I've got. And they're telling you because they're probably looking for something that they don't have. You see, discipleship starts with a, starts before a commitment to follow Jesus. They know what it looks like to follow Jesus because eventually they, they've seen you in enough circumstances. They know that if they say yes to Jesus, they need to become like you. And that should be a model they want to become like. Correct? You're discipling them. You're saying, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You just said, I'm setting an example. You follow me. If you keep following me, you'll eventually find Jesus. Correct? You're discipling them. The third thing, which is maybe a bit of a broader one still, is transforming environments or society. You see, in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, it says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no, uh, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I say that passage is not written for the church to be in the church? We are salt and light outside the church. In the church, we are, we are strengthening one another. We're spurring one another on. But this is not where we are salt and light. We are salt and light in environments where salt and light is needed. You see, salt and light bring transformation. Our uh, my firm belief is that in every aspect of society, we are called to bring transformation from the top of government right down to the lowest of low. We are called to bring transformation. And you see it in history over and over. When people get a hold of God's call upon their lives, they believe for transformation. They see transformation happen. You see, there's, uh, there's four ways. I came across an article by Hugh Welchel. Who, who came, he, he kind of put together, there's four ways that we, we Christians live and work in, in marketplace life. 
And I think we can easily fall into one of these four categories. One is that we're a survivor. I am a survivor. I'm just getting through it. I'm just, I believe the marketplace is evil. I don't like the people I work with. And I'm just surviving Monday to Friday. And I just can't wait for Friday to come. I'm a survivor. Maybe you sing that song on Friday on your way home from work. Their goal is just to survive the marketplace unharmed just to get through it. Their strategy is to avoid contact with non-believers, to escape the possible corruption of this world, to ignore them, and their impact is non-existent. You're just an undercover Christian, so undercover, you don't even know you're undercover. You're just, you're just, just surviving. The second one are the sleepers. Now, I hope this isn't you at work, but this is a, the sleepers believe they can't change the, the it's too big, the picture's too big, uh, and it won't, it, it can't be changed, so their impact comes down to luck. Really, it's luck. The goal is to stand their ground and, and, and play to the draw. Their strategy is to be nice people and not share faith unless asked for it. Others think they're just nice people. Their impact is marginal. You're just a sleeper. The second, or sorry, the third one are those who are influencers. Okay, they believe God cares about business, about education, about government, and that a Holy Spirit will help them succeed. Their goal is to create value and impact at work. Succeed in business and ministry. Lead people to Jesus through their leadership. Their strategy is led by the Holy Spirit. They speak openly about faith, invite people to church, and pray for guidance and favor. Others are skeptical of influencers, but like them. Their impact is effective. Influencers. The fourth one is leaders. I mean, influencers and leaders, these probably could be a little bit interchangeable. Leaders believe that by engaging with the Holy Spirit at work, people, business, markets, and cities will be transformed. If I stand with Jesus, I can bring transformation, not only to my workplace, but beyond. Paul saw this happen in real life. There are others in history who've seen this happen in real life. Their goal is to change the spiritual landscape of a whole organization in favor of the kingdom of heaven. What organization are you part of? Can you see God bring change, bring morality, bring wholeness, bring love, bring kindness? Their strategy is led by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Actions speak louder than word, words. Timing is everything, and leaders diligently pray for value and impact. Others trust leaders and listen carefully to what they say. Their impact is transformational. Can I just say, as believers and followers of Christ, we should be in this, either an influencer or a leader, in the places that we are. Certainly not a sleeper, and certainly not just a survivor. God has called you. If you don't feel called to this, God has feel called you to that. And in God's eyes, they are the same. When we stand for Jesus, things happen around us. God has called you and anointed you in your place of employment or volunteering. He's called you. You're there as his ambassadors. You are a minister of the gospel in that environment. And God takes it very seriously. You might think it's just a job in a shop. It's not just a job in a shop. You're working for Jesus. 
You're working for Jesus. He's, he's, he's given you that job. You know what? I, I've discovered something. That when we serve Jesus with integrity, people will always notice that. You know, when Don and I got married, sorry, before we got married, uh, I, I had come back from Holland and I was desperate for uh, a job. We couldn't get married until I got some cash flow. And uh, I, I applied for everything. I couldn't get it. Eventually, I got a job washing cars and getting minimum wage. And uh, I remember, you know, it wasn't the glamorous job I was expecting or hoping for, but it was a job nonetheless. And I, I started washing cars in the back of this this Chrysler dealership. And uh, I, I, I took care doing it. And I, I remember just that, you know, I'm going to do my very best at this job. And, and the manager, the general manager, took note of how I washed cars differently to other people washed the cars. And how is there a difference in washing cars between me and someone else? But he says, you don't, you should, you don't belong back here, Tyler. You need to come into the front. And so I went from actually washing cars and then selling cars, which some of you might not think is any better, but <laughs> I, I started selling cars. And then actually, uh, in, a, in a process of about a year, that the manager called me and said, you know, I, I want you to train actually in, in the, the, the business management side. You have potential and I see something in you. Now, God had called us to mission. So I had to inform him, I'm really sorry. Great opportunity, but I'm sorry. You know, we're leaving. <laughs> but you know what? We went to mission. We came back. I started, you know, selling stationery. Back in Canada, so we went for two years in Holland, went back to Canada. I started, I needed a job. I started selling, you know, stationery to businesses. Went from that to, to selling IT in the same company. From that to the sales manager, to the general manager. And then actually, the, the, the owner of the company said, I, I want you to take over the business and I'll finance the whole thing for you. I was in my mid-twenties at this point. What was different about my life to everyone else? I believed with all my heart, I'm serving God. And you know what? Can I just say, our influence, when we serve the Lord with integrity and we're honest, we're, we're transparent, we're kind, you know what? I believe our life sets apart. And as we stand for Him in these environments, I believe God, if we're faithful with little things, God gives more. And this isn't to toot my own horn. I believe it over and over. We see it in scripture. How many people do we see when they were faithful little, God opened, it qualified them for greater things. You see, the greater, you know, the, the promotion, it, it increases your influence. You see, if you're the lowest person in a company, you have very little influence. But if you're faithful in that role and you become the manager or the deputy manager, you now have influence. You can now share at that capacity. If you become the gentleman, you can share that capacity, what God is doing in your life. You see, God doesn't want you to, 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 um, to keep what you have to yourself. But He wants us to be salt and light in your world. So what's the point of all of this? God's called you. He's appointed you right where you are. And don't despise the positions you have right now. But open your eyes to what God wants to do in your positions right now. And you think, well, I'm retired. This message has nothing to do with me. You know what? I guarantee you, most retired people here are busier than most working people. Right? You got family. You got friends. You're volunteering. You're, I know the, 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 the retired people in this church are busy people. And in those places of, of engagement, you, you're serving Jesus. You know, one thing happens in the church 
I was thinking about this, and this is, I'm closing honestly with this thought, is that we ordain ministry for this type of ministry. But we don't recognize the ordination of ministry for the 97 plus percentage of the church. And I believe that's wrong because this isn't any greater than any other role that we take in society. We're serving Jesus the same. It's the same. And so I wanted to do something this morning, just a little bit crazy. Are you guys okay for crazy? You don't even know what it is yet, so you best not respond. But across this room, people represent all different forms of life and work and service. But I, I believe God wants to set you God wants to ordain you for your role and validate your position. When we when I did my ordination service in Canada, I, you know, there's this recognition that God had called you. That was the whole point of ordination. There's recognition God had called you. And you know, I believe God has called you. And a recognition that God has called you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.